Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions this afternoon. Give me a call. Lines are wide open right now. Uh, just reset the board. I noticed the lights are all flashing, so every line that we have is available. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number to get on the air. So if you call that number, we'll talk on the air live to everyone listening, Grace FM, uh, up and down the front range of Colorado, which is basically from Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way south of Colorado Springs. So if you're up in the metro area, tune in to 89.7. And in the southern area, Colorado Springs, welcome everyone on 101.7. And then, of course, we're very grateful to be on around the country in various places. Hope FM, Truth FM, uh, quite a few low-power FM stations from Calvary Chapels that we are in fellowship with. Uh, So grateful to be in fellowship with you guys. Hello, hello. Of course, if you're not listening on Grace FM, if you're listening on any other station, then you're hearing this broadcast one week delayed, which is kind of cool because that means you can call while the show's on the air, talk to somebody live, and then you then get to listen the following week and hear yourself on the air, uh, which is kind of cool. So that's Hope FM and Truth FM, and uh, taking your calls today, uh, Grace FM, Got a few things I want to talk about as the lines are coming in. Uh, First of all, thank you guys for participating and praying for our Refresh Ministry Conference uh, that was just a few days ago where Passion Worship came out from Atlanta, Georgia. Pastor Jimmy Humphreys, Pastor Al Pittman, and myself, as long with Pastor Cody King and John Geraci, uh, gave some updates and Bible studies of what's going on in our fellowships. Uh, But of the we, we started Refresh 10 years ago, and the emphasis would be to bring refreshment to God's servants. And originally it started with an idea just to bless our church, just this church. And as we were putting it together, as we were planning, the thought came, well, if we're doing it for our church, why not do it for anyone that wants to be here? Which opened the door for it to become a regional uh, and of the 10 years that we've done it, this was the best uh, time together in all 10 years. <clears throat> Unbelievable, indescribable in many ways. Uh, those guys from Passion are the real deal. Uh, they, they are genuine, humble, uh, committed believers, young. Most of them are very young and... The next generation, they announced the Passion Conference that they're renting out the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, um, at the top, you know, the, the end of this year, 31st and 1st and 2nd, I think. They're expecting 65,000 
young people. It's limited. You you have to between you have to be between the age of 18 and 25 in order to attend this conference, uh, which would I'm double that age, so I can't go. Although they invited me to be a part of it uh, as a guest, uh, but I'm not going to be able to go. But 18 to 25 year olds and <clears throat> um, 65,000, like from around the world, come. Uh, for a three-day conference, and guys like a uh, friend of the ministry here, Levi Lusco, will be there. Tim Tebow will be there. I mean, it's quite it's quite the conference, <laughs> and and their worship. Uh, these guys, Christian Stanfield, uh, Melody Brett, unbelievable, and the rest of the guys. They brought sixteen people with them. Uh, you know, all of they they brought them all. And uh, as we get time, I want to talk about it. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Robert in Castle Rock, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, Pastor? Good, man. What's up? Oh, not much. Just started my new job today, and I was just hoping I could get some prayers for strength. Uh, I mean, as we speak, I'm barely able to hold my phone up to my ears. I've been lifting stuff all day. It's a very physically demanding job. Oh, wow. I was just wondering if uh, I could get everyone's prayers for strength to make it through the day and finish finish the week out strong and be able to go into next week um, ready and motivated. Father, we pray for our brother with this new uh, challenging job, God, and his, obviously his body, his mind, everything's being challenged, everything's being stretched, and we pray collectively as a church family that you would establish him. First of all, we thank you for the job that he has, and knowing in these early stages it's going to be hard to adjust, but I pray you'd give him the perseverance and the stamina to, to steady on so that as he does, the more he does it, the more he adjusts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Have a wonderful day. All right, brother. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Text me, 720-336-0897. 303. No, no. Uh, I got the numbers confused. The texting number is 720-336-0897. The online or the on the air number is 303-690-3000. So let's, um, for those of you guys listening, I was actually uh, this morning uh, during our staff meeting, I was actually somewhere else. I was over at Southeast Christian Church and School in Parker, Colorado, uh, right there on Jordan, uh, like Jordan and 470. Uh, they invited various community pastors to their chapel service for their kids uh, because um, they wanted to introduce the school, they wanted to show what God is doing there, and they wa- they invited pastors specifically that had kids from their church in there. And man, let me tell you, it was mostly student-led. Um, there were a few adults on the stage helping lead, but it was mostly student-led, and I was very impressed. Uh, we also have a school here at Calvary Church, and I'm always impressed when I see the kids step up and lead. And it was really cool to see kids in another church stand up and lead, and how encouraging uh, it was. So a shout out to you kids and families from Southeast Christian School and Church in Parker, Colorado. Keep your eyes on the Lord. I mean, you guys so impressed me. Um, I mean, not not that I was there to be impressed. I'm just sh- sharing, like as a brother and as a pastor, when you guys were singing "Reckless Love," that room filled. I, I I actually videoed it so I could capture 
the sound of all the kids singing so loudly in that sanctuary gymnasium. Um, and I sent it to a pastor friend of mine that I thought would encourage him. Uh, and so kids, keep worshiping, keep surrendering, keep following Jesus at every cost. It is worth it to follow the Lord. So I was pretty cool. I was, appreciate the invite, you guys at Southeast Christian, um, and all the work that you're doing in the community. I know uh, the Lord is using you. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, we're going to move on to Paul in Denver, Colorado. Paul, welcome to the program. Thank you. You're welcome. My question is, uh, the, the children that are being aborted, will they go to heaven? I believe they will. Because we, we have an example, uh, very specifically, of a baby going to heaven. Um, although the baby that's referred to in David's life was not uh, aborted, uh, we do know that baby was in the presence of God because David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, expected to be. He said, <clears throat> he said I will not, that the, the child will not return to me, but I will go to him. And that hope of being reunited. So I believe that aborted children, uh, as horrific of a crime and sin that it is, uh, will be in the presence of the Lord. And then uh, another part to that is um, when the rapture comes, will the children go? I believe that some children will go and some children will not go. And what I mean by that is that some children will have been, have come to the age, which there's debate on what that age might be, but some kids will come to the age where they understand the finished work of Jesus Christ, but have yet to surrender their lives. I don't believe those children will be taken in the rapture. Um, Those that might have come to, or not might have, but those that have come to an age of accountability uh, where they understand uh, exactly what Jesus has done for them, but have refused to repent of their sins and are not born again. So I guess a better way to answer that is all born-again people, boys, girls, men, women, will go up in the rapture, and those that are not born again will not. So under that age, they will? Let's just say five. I don't. Nobody really knows that age, but let's just say under five, they will go? Yeah, without putting an age to it, yes, under that age of accountability, under that place of understanding, I believe they will go. But I think that age will move. Like, I don't think that age is fixed in time. Um, I don't think it's, you know, a 365-day exact, once you turn 11 and a half, you have come to the point of no return. Um, I don't believe that age is fixed. I think God deals with us individually, specifically, and in His justice— and his mercy, he knows exactly what that age is for every single person. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. <clears throat> we got open lines, so take advantage of it. Um, Pastor Ed, is a Christian believer able to teach or play a karate game? Yes, I believe that a Christian believer is able to play a karate game or learn karate or learn self-defense. Uh, without compromising their faith. Yes. 
Uh, next question is texting. Which books of the Bible do you recommend for someone to understand everything about Jesus, for someone who is hungry to read and learn about him in order to go close to him? That's a great question. Uh, I would suggest for those wanting to learn and know about Jesus Christ that they start with the first four books of the New Testament known as the Gospels. And that those books are named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And although they're given in that order, I wouldn't recommend them in that order. I would recommend them in this order, John, Mark, Luke, and then Matthew. And I'll tell you why. John was written so that once you read the account of John throughout, uh, the account of Jesus through John, it was written so that you might believe on the Son of Man. Mark was written to reveal Jesus as a true servant. Luke was written to reveal Jesus as a true man. And finally, Matthew was written to show Jesus as a true king of kings. And Matthew will then build the bridge for you of Jesus into the Old Testament. But I would recommend you reading all of the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but in this order. John, Mark, Luke, Matthew. And I also encourage you, to pick up a book called Haley's Bible Handbook, H-A-L-L-E-Y-S, Haley's Bible Handbook, and to have that handy with you when you're reading through, because it's, a, it's generally a chapter-by-chapter chapter commentary, very simple, but chapter-by-chapter chapter commentary on the Bible. Haley's Bible Handbook. Also, there's a free resource online, that will also provide a lot of different tools for you uh, in relationship to learning the Bible, and that is blueletterbible.com. Blueletterbible. Let me see if it's .com. I might have made a mistake. Blueletterbible.com. Will it work? Uh, yes, either one, .org or .com. Uh, blue, you know, and you remember way you remember that is the words of Jesus are usually in red letter. Well, this one is blue letter dot com blueletter.org either one of those all right another text question please pray for the city of sheridan a small community um, that has been shaken oh i didn't hear about that last night's shooting involving a youth um, i'm sorry i didn't hear about that so father we do pray for the shakeup of sheridan uh, and the family that lost uh, whatever situation this is um, whatever difficulty there is i pray that you would have your hand upon the families involved and the people the people that live in Sheridan and even as these things shake up communities Denver being such a small community in and of itself Lord I pray for your protection Lord in Jesus name amen all right shout out to everybody listening online you guys in Durban South Africa you guys in Namayangu South Korea Lima Peru Uh, every time Kevin gives me a country I'll tell it so welcome online. Isn't technology amazing? So what time is it in South Africa, Kevin? So they're like up. It's got to be in the middle of the night. 303-690-3000, which by the way, some people wonder if I'm up at 3 a.m. posting on Twitter because you'll see posts at 3 a.m. Usually I'm not. Those are pre-scheduled specifically for people on the other side of the world just to minister to them as they're awake. And it is 12.15, so it's only midnight. I was up past midnight last night, so that's why I'm so tired on Wednesdays. 
I don't sleep the night before. And then it's like a 16-hour day. It's a long day. But isn't it long for the Lord? I'd, be, I'd rather do not. I used to have. I used to work 24, 36 hours for the world just to provide for my family. How much more is it to serve the Lord? <laughs> I love it. 303-690-3000. Um, what about children in the womb during the rapture? Serious question. We believe there's life prior to birth, and obviously that life has not reached the age of accountability. Yeah, I, I believe, uh, this is a text question, uh, I believe the same thing. How God's going to do it or what that looks like, I don't know. Uh, but I believe, just like you said, um, that life begins at conception and that God is able to sort it out. It's a similar question in of um, how will God re- resurrect the body if it has been turned back to dust? And the answer is, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I do, do know he is, and there is evidence for that, just like there is with David's child. There is evidence for that all the way back in Genesis when God created the first men and women out of the dust of the earth. So yes, I think even children in the womb, that would apply. Absolutely, 100%. How, I don't know. 303-690-3000. Let's go to, back to the phone lines, and we're going to go up to Greeley, Colorado. Pat, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you doing this afternoon? Good. How are you? I'm okay. It's kind of a dual question. Okay. When we pass, the moment we close our eyes, it's absent the body, present with the Lord. I agree. This is question number one. And when that occurs, since there's no body and it's soul or spirit, are we going to be cognizant of things? Is there anything in the Bible that says we'll be cognizant of what's happening? I believe we will be cognizant. I don't believe there's ever a time where we will be without the ability. I think we, as a matter of fact, I would even say that we will be more cognizant than we are right now because the Bible says we will know even as we are known in 1 John. Uh, We do have a a hint of the afterlife. Uh, We have a hint after death. When Jesus gave us the parable Remember, excuse me, it wasn't a parable, it was a true story of Lazarus and the rich man. Remember that? Uh, Yes, I do. After death, they were both very, very alert uh, and and in the presence of, in eternity, you know, they were in Abraham's bosom, of course, before the death and resurrection of Jesus, but they were in Abraham's bosom and very alert, very cognizant after death. Same with uh, Elijah. You know, same with those that were on the Mount of Elijah and um, uh, Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were very cognizant. So, yes, I believe that we will be very cognizant after death and never a time when we're not. Those are very good points, and, and that clarifies that for me. The second part is exactly at what point uh, do we receive our new bodies? Is it the moment of the rapture? That's, a, that's debatable. Uh, some people say at the moment of the rapture. Some people say, according to First Thessalonians, at the general resurrection of all the souls at the second coming. Um, either one I'm okay with because the Bible doesn't seem to give the exact timing um, and, and even says that, there's, that we're not going to be disembodied spirits in First Corinthians. So somehow um, there is an ability, because really bodies, whether they are bodies designed for the physical realm or bodies designed for the spiritual realm, either way, they are that mechanism by which we are able to communicate with others. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so um, the Bible isn't 
exactly clear, but it is a debatable um, issue among believers. And so some people believe you get it right at the rapture. You get it prior to the general resurrection. It's like a special gift to those that are raptured. Other people say that there's some kind of temporary body that um, that is given. Yeah, the body will be taken from the grave first. Say that again? It says the at the rapture, first <clears throat> the dead will come from the will be lifted from the graves. Yes. So I'm assuming it's it's in some well it it doesn't really state if it's going to be a it's, bodily form. It's possible, you know. It's possible uh, in each side of the each each side of the debate is actually possible, uh, and so yeah, whatever a person holds to, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with them about it. No, that's the trivial point. The thing. That's the most important point is because of Christ, we have something to hope for. Amen. That's, that's it right there. I uh, agree. Thank you, for, thank you for answering the questions. Very good. I okay. appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. 303 uh, We're going to go to Maryland. Uh, well, I hit the wrong button, so I'm going to—you guys in Maryland, hold on. Don't hang up. Jerry in Lakewood, I hit your button by accident. You're on the air. Oh, how, how's it going? Um— I really appreciate everything you're doing out there, and I just have a prayer request. Okay. Um, I uh, fractured my foot, I don't know, about a month and a half ago, a month, you know, and I'd, I've been prayed over, and I've been praying for it and to, for God to heal it. And the way that I've, I've really been frustrated in myself was, is, is that I feel like I'm expecting a miracle uh, or too much, you know, and I think that... It's like being, being on the on the boat, you know, where the storm hit and uh, Jesus was walking on water, and there was a reason why that was, and it's just like a storm has hit me, you know, and yes. He's trying to teach me something, and I just ask one ask for prayer, you know, for healing, okay, and in His time, and for me to understand that it's not my time, it's His time, okay, and there's probably a reason why I'm why it's taking its time. You know what I mean? I don't know. Okay. Father, I pray for my brother, Lord, as he is under great duress for the difficulty and the, uh, the pain and uh, this foot. You know, we, we don't know how valuable the body parts are until one of them's hurting and not working. And, and, and not only is it physically hurting, but it's also mentally challenging and even challenging my brother spiritually. So I pray you would strengthen him, Lord, in the inner man, uh, that you would de- broaden the depth of his love for you. And even as I remember Paul crying out for that thorn in the flesh to be removed, and your answer is, I'm not removing it, but instead, Paul would be able to experience more of you as he cries out to you and draws near to you and lays his life before you. So we're just asking for you to do a miraculous work in my brother, whether it's healing or whether it's encouraging or anything according to your will. That's our desire, your will to be accomplished in Jerry's life. In Jesus' name, amen. I also wanted to ask you, what are the names of those two books that you just mentioned about learning about Jesus? Okay, the first question was, uh, what books of the Bible to read to learn about Jesus? And so I recommended that you read the first four books of the New Testament in the Bible, uh, and that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I suggested that you read them in this order, John, Mark, Luke, Matthew. Suggested about say that again. Those other two reads. 
Mm-hmm. And then and then I gave a I gave a book and a website. So the book uh, for the Gospels it was called Haley's Bible Handbook, and it's H A L L E Y S. You can get a good copy of that for free uh, on Amazon. And then the website that I referred to, which is a lot of free resources to help you understand the Bible, is called Blue letterbible.org okay thank you so much you're welcome bye bye 303-690-3000 Vicki in Denver, Colorado Vicki, welcome to the program thank you um, Pastor, would you please defend your position on the rapture whether it's pre-trib, mid-trib or post-trib and I'm going to hang out because I'm driving well, what do you mean defend? Do you want? What do you mean defend? Do you have? I would a, like to know because I have a position, and I'm not, I'm not convinced that I'm right. So I would appreciate it if you would give your position and an explanation as to why you feel that way. Okay, sounds good. We here at Calvary, uh, I hold to and we hold to a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture of the church, and what we believe is that the the church, which is a separate entity. Uh, from Jew- from the Jews and the Gentiles. I believe there are three uh, main segments or groups today on the earth. Um, I mean, there's two categories of people. Um, that would be uh, saved and unsaved, and then three identifying factors of people groups, uh, which would be uh, Jew, Gentile, uh, and church. And so in my understanding of the scriptures, I hold to a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture of the church. Um, The first thing that we would say is that there's a distinction between the second coming of Christ and the rapture of the church. The rapture, Jesus is coming for his saints. In the second coming, Jesus is coming with his saints. In the rapture, Jesus comes in the clouds. In the second coming, Jesus literally comes to the earth. And in between these two weeks, or excuse me, two events, is a seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation period. Um, Some people try to make a big deal between Great Tribulation and Tribulation, but because Daniel's 70th week is a full unit, seven weeks, seven years, and so this time period is called Jacob's Trouble, seven years, uh, I believe that there's there's a there's no distinction between tribulation and great tribulation. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, um, the great the the whole seven year unit is called the time of God's wrath, even though the first three and a half years is a time of relative peace. Uh, and so, when you think of the points, um, I did a whole Bible study. I did actually two Bible studies uh, of why. Um, and here I'm going to give I'm going to give them to you. And since you hung up. You can email me, and I will send you my notes, and you can look at them because I won't. I can't. I don't have time to elaborate on every point. But here are the points. You ready? This is why I believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. Number one, Jesus gave a promise in Luke twenty-one. Number two, today we live according to scriptures in a dispensational dispensational age of grace. Three, uh, we already saw there's difference between tribulations, great and general. Four. Uh, who's going to sing the new song in Revelation chapter 5? I believe it's only ter- the church can see- sing that song. In heaven, Revelation 5. As you read through the book of Revelation, 19 times the church is mentioned um, through chapter 3, and it's not a mention again until chapter 19. Number 7, 
There's a clear distinction between the rapture and the second coming. Number eight, the trumpets of 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians are not the same as the trumpet in Revelation. Number nine, God has made a distinction between church and Israel, and he's still going to fulfill all of his promises to Israel. Number 10, the rapture, the soon return of Jesus Christ, is imminent. It's close at hand. It can happen at any moment. Number 11, we see brief pictures of what it might look like for a rapture to take place, where it comes with John, Noah, or Lot. And I elaborate all those in a Bible study that I'd love to send you. All you have to do is email me. Uh, Send it to ed at edtaylor.org. If you go go to edtaylor.com, don't do that, because a big bearded man will show up on the website because it's a Santa Claus. So it's ed at edtaylor.org and I'll, I'll follow up on this answer a little bit um, at the begin at the top of the hour because there's one more thing I want to make very very clear when it comes to this doctrine my name is Ed Taylor we'll be right back this is Calvary Live welcome back to Calvary Live Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to today's edition of Calvary Live. We've got an open line. Grab it while you can, 303-690-3000. Let me just add, if you're just joining us, to the second half. We had a great question in the first half. <clears throat> I was asked to defend my position uh, on a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture, and I wondered what was meant by that because I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to defend anything. I'm just going to, I would rather, I don't want to argue about it. If you disagree with me, I don't, I don't judge you for that, and I still think we can be a brother or sister if we disagree. But let me just add this: sometimes a straw man is created when it comes, uh, and that's a fallacy in logic, where a situation is set up that's so false that it's easily knocked down. And let me give you a straw man as it, as it relates to the pre-trib rapture. Um, let me give you one that's most common to our family of churches, and that is you only believe in the pre-trib rapture because Ch- Pastor Chuck Smith taught you that. And, and while Pastor Chuck Smith did teach a pre-trib rapture, and while my pastor did teach a pre-trib rapture, this is, not, this is not one of those things that I just believed because I was taught. Um, I, I am generally a skeptic by nature. Unfortunately, um, that, that has gotten, to me, gotten me in more trouble uh, than I care to, to, to remember. Uh, my skepticism and my doubting. And my doubting still gets me in trouble as a believer because I'm, I'm not this tremendous man of faith. And I question and and I wait, but it God has used that part of me to redeem, so that I I am firmly fixed, and I I would I would make it clear that I am not a pre-trib rapture uh, teacher because Chuck Smith said it, or Jeff Johnson said it, or John MacArthur said it, or Tommy Ice said it, or a variety of different people. I have searched the scriptures myself and put together the Bible studies from my studies, um, not, only Bibli- not only from the Bible, which should be enough, but also uh, throughout church history, there has been a belief in the imminent 
return of Jesus Christ. But even, and this is where a lot of the doctrines of men go back 100 years, 500 years, 1,000 years, but the Bible predates the doctrines of men. Even though the doctrines of men even happened, and, and let me just say, some of the doctrines of men that Jesus combated was prior to the New Testament, so I want to be careful there. But the reality is, is that we need to go back to the Scriptures and, and I'm confident in my belief, but I'm not interested in arguing if you have an alternative view. Um, I just say, hey, um, um, believe what you believe, convicted before the Spirit, and we'll see you in heaven, bro. Um, let's go after the lost and love the lost, because the lost really don't care about our internal bickering as believers. In many ways, it turns unbelievers off because it doesn't demonstrate love, it just demonstrates pride whether it's a Calvinist argument, or it's an Arminianist argument, or when do you believe the rapture, or any number of secondary things that can really create antagonism among believers and even divisiveness. And um, I'm just not—the longer I walk with the Lord, the less and less I'm going to be doing that. I just don't—I don't have time for it, neither do I have any desire for it. I don't have a lot of energy for it either, you know, um, my—yeah— and there's a lot of reasons for that, but the reality is is that... Um, let me read to you. I was reading this at my devos this morning. I thought it was so good. <clears throat> I, I'm in Deuteronomy in my devos, chapter 20. And let me just read to you what... Um, uh, let me read to you, and I'll get to the phone lines. You guys aren't forgotten, but I, I, I think it's important. I want to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 20 uh, and verse 19. It says... When you besiege a city for a long time... Well, let me go to the New Living Translation. By the way, on Wednesday nights here at Calvary, we're studying the book of Daniel, and uh, we are studying the book of Daniel completely in the New Living Translation. And it's been a real fresh approach to studying the Bible. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Of course, there might be some of you listening that are old King James-only uh, people or whatever, but you know, I, I'm um, enjoy the King James. We're enjoying the New Living Translation. Uh, it's accurate, it's useful, and... Um, and it's been a great it's it's been a great exercise for me to really dig deep because <clears throat> anytime I'm studying for a Bible study, I have many translations open at the same time. But uh, we have Bible study tonight, seven o'clock. We are in the book of Daniel, and we're looking at the topic of compromise tonight. So anyway, Deuteronomy twenty verse nineteen: When you're attacking a town and the war drags on, you must not cut down the trees with your axes. You may eat the fruit, but do not cut down the trees. Are the trees your enemies that you should attack them? (laughs) That's an interesting uh, take on that. Uh, You may only cut down the trees that you know are not valuable for food. Use them to make the equipment you need to attack the enemy town until it falls. And so you're to make a distinction. When the children of Israel were to go to war and they came upon a heavily wooded area, they could not just clear cut the forest. They needed to make a distinction. Any fruit-bearing tree they were to keep and any other tree they could use for the war. All right? But here's Pastor John Corson's commentary on it. Very brief, um, but that's how I do my devotions. I'll read the chapter, and then I'll go to his uh, running commentary. And so here's what he says. And I quote John Corson, pastor of Applegate Christian Fellowship in Oregon. I quote, When the Israelites went to battle... Their axes were not to fly indiscriminately. That is, they were not to cut down any fruit-bearing tree. This is a good word for us because in our battle against principalities and powers, 
against the devil, our adversary, if we're not careful, we can cut down trees that bear fruit. And he defines that as other believers, denominations, or churches who might have an entirely different flavor than ours, but from which we can be nourished. Wise is the believer who says, Lord, help me to see what I can glean from that group, what I can learn from those people. So much of what I've learned has been from trees that, in my own fleshly tendency, I would have chopped down. Wouldn't it be something if all the energy we expend analyzing ministry and criticizing Christians was harnessed against the real enemy? Yes, there's a war to rage, a battle to fight, and some trees are apostate indeed, but others have fruit that we can glean, through which we can grow, from which we can gain strength for the battle against the enemy of our souls, end quote. And you know, Kevin, the big battle these days is what music to sing. Uh, you can't sing this because it's connected to this group, and you can't sing those words. Like I, like I was listening to a song right before I came in. That's why I was late to the studio. And let me read to you what it says. And all my life, you, speaking of God, have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I'm able, oh, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Sounds pretty legit to me, pretty accurate ly- lyrics, glorifying God, but it's written by a group that is involved with some weird stuff, some, some weird Pentecostal stuff that we would not be a part of. <laughs> it's not going to happen here. But the song, <laughs> it's spot on. It is amazing. And, and maybe a different dialogue one day uh, altogether, but this guilt by association has to stop. We should have a variety of friends. We should have a variety of of friends, both believer and unbeliever, and we should not be judged by our friends or that we don't criticize or condemn. That's probably where my email is getting. I'm getting the most criticism in my ministry is that I'm not critical of other people. Well, so be it. I'm not going to be critical. I will talk about doctrine, and I will refuse doctrine all day, every day. And, and, but, but we're going to sing songs that glorify God. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to teach the church the Bible. And I believe if I teach the church the Bible accurately, they will refuse false doctrine. And, and so I was thinking, you know, I was thinking because some people would say, um, and I don't want the show to go off on this tangent, but I'm going to anyway, I'm going to share this. I'm not going to take the show this way, but I'm going to share this because some would say, you know, Ed, we should sing hymns because the hymns are safe. Uh, and, and if we sing the hymns, we just know we're singing with the history. But understand this, Horatio Spafford, who wrote one of the most popular hymns, one that ministers to my heart because of the loss of his children and his family, he, he wrote, It is well with my soul. It is well. Everybody turn the radio off right now. <laughs> with my soul. Oh, I love that song. We sing it all. He happened to have a lot of problems theologically. He was affiliated with the Presbyterians, but also an avid Arminian. Imagine that. Can you imagine the conflict in his mind? Uh, Presbyterians, primarily Reformed, Calvinistic, but Horatio Spafford himself, Arminian, and later on in the later ends of his life, led a universalist type of church and had universalist beliefs. And yet, if we held that against him, nobody at any time would have ever sang that song that came from the heart in his relationship with Jesus. 
Now, I'm looking at Kevin while I'm talking, but I'm, I really want everyone to hear this. We, we need to stop cutting down the trees and being hypercritical and, and, and finding ourselves, you know, in our movement, like our movement, Pastor Chuck, and I agree with him, taught us, just like Jesus said, that we should be known for our love. And let me read to you the original, um, uh, the original uh, vision that God gave to Pastor Chuck um, that he has on, on all of his um, bulletins, and I have to find it first. I'm sure it's on our website somewhere, so let me find it while I'm talking out loud. I'll get to the calls. You guys hang on there. Um, <clears throat> don't leave me yet. And um, here, here's, here's, what, here's what we all put on our bulletins. Calvary Chapel was formed as a fellowship believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our supreme desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not a denominational church, nor are we opposed to denominations as such. Only the overemphasis of the doctrinal differences that has led to the division in the body of Christ. And we should be known by our love. And we're going to sing songs that glorify God. And I'm not going to argue about it. All right, who's next, Kevin? What do we got? All callers are holding. Is it Olu? Okay, we're going to go over to line number two. Call, Olu, call back from Maryland. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Thanks for waiting. Thank you. Uh, my question is, how do you ascertain you're going to make heaven? Because, yeah, when we become Christians and born again, we begin to renew our minds, our character and behaviors by the Word of God. And, of course, we'll stumble and fall. So when we stumble or in the midst of stumbling and falling, does that mean we're already, um, we already detour from the path to heaven or... In short, how do you how do you ascertain you're gonna make heaven? You're in the path to heaven. There's only one path to heaven. There's not two. There's not ten. There's not a thousand. And a person is promised eternal life when they repent of their sins, confessing with their mouth the Lord Jesus, and believing in their heart that God raised him from the dead. Every born again believer will spend eternity in the presence of God. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Shout out to everyone in Maryland, especially my buddy in Baltimore, uh, and all my friends uh, listening on Hope FM. You guys are a blessing. I always, always, always love my time on the East Coast and have made so many wonderful friends. 303-690-3000. Uh, let's see here. Uh, is it? It's Cody on line three. Cody, welcome to the program. Hi. How are you doing, Pastor? Good. How are you? Hey, I had a question on the book of Enoch and how to go about researching that. I have had several questions over the past few years uh, trying to get to know my, other people trying to get to know my stance on the book, and I've always said, you know, I just haven't done enough research on it to give you a definitive answer, and uh, I guess curiosity has just kind of got to me lately, and I, I want to know more about just how to go about researching it and well, come up with there's a answer. There's a great article on gotquestions.org. If you just go to gotquestions.org, there's a great article there that's trustworthy. Um, Enoch 
is what's known as a pseudepigraphal book. That means it has some things true in it and some things not. There's actually three different books that attribute uh, Enoch's name to it. And so anytime we read any book, and that means anything by Max Lucado, um, I've written a book, uh, anything we read outside of scriptures, we're to take and compare to the scriptures. So Enoch is not an inspired book. It is not to be used for faith or doctrine. Uh, and it is anything that's said within the book of Enoch is to be compared to Scripture, and anything that doesn't line up with Scripture is to be dismissed. Okay, thank you very much for your answer. I will have to definitely do some comparing side-by-side side with it. And, Great. Uh, have a better answer to give somebody next time they ask. Yes, I think it's a great idea. I mean, you know, I don't spend a lot of time reading the apocryphal books. I think there's 13 of them in between, you know, that are involved, that are in uh, included in the Roman Catholic Bible, but those apocryphal books, too, are written in that time period between Malachi and Matthew, and they are in no way inspired of God. They are not a part of the canon of Scripture. Okay, thank you very much, Pastor. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. 303-690-3000. We're catching up on all our calls, so... Oops, we lost Cody. Um, oops, I already did Cody, so who's next here? Eric is next. Eric in Maryland, welcome to the program. Hi there. My daughter from my first marriage lives in Massachusetts. Okay. And I live with my wife and her three daughters in Maryland. Uh, okay. My daughter in Massachusetts claims to be a witch. All right. And we're wondering if we can invite her into our home for a visit, three to five days or, you know, six days, and not um, invite what she does with her. I believe that's possible, yes. Okay. I think that with the right parameters um, that it is possible. She's probably, um, she's probably involved in something known as Wicca. And while there is, there is a darkness to Wicca, there is a darkness to witchcraft, I'm reminded in my house, as for me in my house, we serve the Lord. And in 1 John 4, 4, it says, You are of God, little children, and overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Um, mm -hmm. I do think your caution is wise. I do think that there should be ground rules of appreciation and respect. And if she, if she crosses any lines, that you would ask her to leave your house. You, I think you would do that with anybody, but she may need some extra, um, hey, look, I don't, I, I don't like what you believe. I, I think, um, you know, whatever, however you want to, you know, communicate to him, to her, excuse me. Um, but do you have any fear or do you, do you have anything to fear? I don't think so. Um, I believe that the presence of God is greater than any witchcraft. Um, I know that, that any time um, some sorcerer anyone's mentioned in the Bible, they are subservient to the servant of God. Um, and so I don't think she can cast any spells. I don't think she can jack with your house. I mean, the only thing that she could do is influence the kids in some way, but you would take that risk with anybody coming into your house and should take that kind of caution uh, and concern. I mean, obviously, you can't practice this in my house. I think that's fair. Um, you know, I don't want you, I don't want you um, doing, I don't want you talking about this in front of my daughters or, you know, my stepdaughters. Mm -hmm. I think... I think with the, the kind of caution that, you, that she's entering into your house and you want to enjoy her as a daughter, you want to enjoy her as a human, but if she's coming to jack with your kids or something, no, she's not welcome. Nobody's welcome right. like that in my house. Right. So she can be separated from her <clears throat> practicing of pagan arts. 
I think she can she can set that aside. I think she can uh, respect you. I think she can honor you. I think she can um, that I think you can treat her like a human being. Jesus was in the presence of sin all the time. He was in the presence of really bad people doing really bad things, and he was untouched or untainted by it. At what point does us associating with her condone what she does? I don't think you ever condone what she does. I don't think it ever condones. It's kind of like, you know, I think that there is a passage in Scripture that there, if, if anyone says they're a believer and continue in his sin, don't eat with them. So she's certainly not she's not claiming to be a believer, no. um, but I don't think you can. I, I think you can uh, any more than do you eat at a do you like eat at Applebee's or Chili's? They have that in Maryland. Yes. Is there a bar in Chili's? Right. Do you condone right. people getting drunk at the bar by having your no um, awesome blossom there? No. No, and I think that I think that the I think that our fear of condoning and approving, um, you may cross a line. I don't know where to draw that for you. But to enjoy someone into your house, um, you know, to make it a point to sh- to make sure that you convey the gospel to her, right? That's the only reason you have yep. a house yep. is to be uh, a light in the darkness. And like anyone, you any normal pagan or someone that says they're into witchcraft or whatever, hey, don't bring that stuff into my house. Mm-hmm. Don't bring that. Not but but you, I love. I your right. sin, I don't. But you, I love. And I want to express that love until you are disrespectful to my home or disrespectful to my wife. And I'm sorry that, that like there are general ground rules. And you know, probably if I came to your house, I'm I'm a believer, okay? So you invite yep. me over to your house, yep. but I'm a rude guy. So I go right to your refrigerator. I take the milk out of the refrigerator. I open it up and I drink right from the container. Now you may let that go. You might go, dude. Ed is super weird, <laughs> but I'm gonna let it go. And then I go up to your room and I put my pajamas on and I jump in your bed. And you're like, I don't know, man. Now he's... Su-. And then I start digging through your drawers. Like eventually you're going to go, Ed, you're no longer welcome here. Right. And I think as you... But you're going to let me in. You're going to give me a chance. Right. And I think that's, that's where you are with your daughter that maybe um, she's been super demonstrative to try to keep people at arm's length. And you're like, I'm not playing that. You're my daughter. I love you. I'm not going to keep you at arm's length. If you could say a prayer for us, we'd appreciate it. Father, I pray for wisdom. Uh, This is more difficult than a radio answer, but I know that the radio answer is a foundation to build on. And somehow, Jesus, you were able to be around some of the worst of the worst behaviors and still remain sinless and not participate and not condone. Uh, And and even one is challenging for us, Lord, when when you you turned water into wine for a bunch of drunk people and yet you didn't sin. And, and that's hard for us to conceive But in our rational minds, but I think spiritually you're sending a message to us that we're able to be around sin without participating in it. So I just pray for Eric. I pray for his wife. I pray for the, the girls that are in the home and, and give him wisdom on what that line might be and help him to show love um, until he can't. As much as possible, let him live at peace and give him a platform that this um, response would startle his daughter and shake her a little bit and cause her to rethink her loyalties. And that when she hears of your great love, she would not only hear about it, but feel it and respond to it. Because I remember too, your word says, Paul said, you know, or do you despise the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? Repentance. 
and let goodness lead to repentance, spirit and truth through Eric and his wife's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. All right, let, call back and let me know how it goes. Will do. Thank All you, right. Pastor. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. I'm going to go over to Jonathan in Aurora, Colorado. Jonathan, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. What's up, man? Um, I have a quick question of how, like, so I'm I'm kind of new to the faith. I guess I've been following Jesus for about like a month now. Okay. And congratulations. I just, thank you. <laughs> I just uh, wanted to know, like, where do I start reading my Bible from? Because right now I just go on YouTube and I'll just watch sermons or just like uh, okay watch videos about you know just about the Bible and God and Jesus and things like that. But to actually read my Bible, I don't know where to start. Like, should I start in the Gospels or? Yeah. So just Genesis or I don't I don't really know. Okay, let me give you a couple of uh, let me give you a couple of, of options. First of all, as a new believer, I would spend a lot of time in the Gospel of John. Because the Gospel of John, that's the fourth book. You know, if you open up in the middle, uh, the, yeah. okay, so so toward the toward the right hand side as the New Testament starts, it starts Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I would start in John. And I'll, and the reason why is because not only does it lead to believe, but it, that book was written to lead someone to believe in Jesus, but it was also written to build someone else's faith in Jesus, a believer's faith. Okay. And the same thing with um, the earlier question, how do I read to get to know Jesus more? Because that's the most important part of your relationship. It's not to learn what your church believes. It's not to learn what the, what the pastor is teaching so much as it is to learn about who you are in relationship, Jesus Christ. And, and I would read in that order, John, Mark, Luke, and Matthew. John, Mark, Luke, and Matthew. And, and, and then I would encourage you to email me, and I will return that email. Remind me of this phone call and, and, and say you're the new believer that called, and I will respond to that email with a link for you to download a basic believer Bible study that you should print out and start to do every day. It'll take you about 15 or 20 minutes every day, but it will give you a basic, strong understanding of these early stages of who God is and what He expects and what the grace of God is, what the love of God is, who God the Father is, who the Son is, um, what spiritual warfare is. And I think it's three months, and it takes about 15 or 20 minutes a day. Okay. Um, and All so right. my, my email is ed at edtaylor.org. Ed at edtaylor.org? Yes, don't do com. It has to be O-R-G, and uh, I'll get that, and, and I'll respond with a link where you can download some things that, that will jump. It'll help you get deeper into knowing who Jesus is. That's the most important part of, of a new believer's life. All right, thank you so much. I actually do plan on. I try. I'm, I'm going to try to come this Friday to. The, I think it's the Grove. Yes, yes, yes. So do it. I'll try my best to come this Friday. They'll, you'll be blessed, man. That's a great group of young people. Thank you. All right. God bless you. God bless you too. Thank you. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Shannon and Decono, welcome to the program, Shannon. Hi. Thank you. Um, today is my birthday, and I'm forty-seven. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. I listen to you all the time, and I admire you. Um, everything you say brings knowledge and, and wisdom and love into my heart. I was wondering, I'm so thankful to have the gift of the Holy Spirit um, down here with us all. And I was wondering if you would say a birthday prayer for me and and a protection and maybe the more of the presence of the Holy Spirit 
and just to let God know how thankful I am to have him. Yeah, let's do that. Father, I pray for Shannon on this special day as we have been given uh, life, and we mark it by the years and the time that you've given us. And so I pray for a, 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 a special anointing of Shannon by your Holy Spirit today, that she would be strengthened in her faith, that you would give her vision and direction for this coming year. Whether she gets a day of the year or all 365 days, may they be lived in abiding relationship with you. May she then make the most of moment by moment. And when she fails, Lord, she would be quick to come to you because your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that she would just have that strong abiding depth of relationship with you and that this coming year, however, whatever you give to her, Lord, would honor and bless you, bless her, and bring honor and glory to your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. I appreciate that very much, and I love you, Pastor Ed. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. What, man, I mean, that's, the, that's it. Like, the Lord's been so good to us. Remember that song? Let me tell you the lyric again. You ready? <laughs> this song, Marie actually gave it. I, I saw it on Marie's phone, and... I was, um, you know, for, for uh, let me just read it again. It's, all my life you've been so faithful, and all my life you've been so, so good. With every breath that I'm able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. And, and the first time I heard this song, I, it brought tears to my eyes, because sometimes I look back, and I don't exactly believe this phrase, that God has been faithful. Even the Bible teaches it. And I, I think of uh, the loss of our son, and, and it's hard for me sometimes to think it was so, so good. But you know, God has been so, so good. It's not the circumstance, it's God. It's God, and with every breath that I'm able, I'm gonna sing of his goodness, even though sometimes the situations are bad. Church tonight, you guys gotta be here, seven o'clock. Cafe's open, Resurrection Coffee's waiting for you. We are ready, ready, ready to serve you. I had a lot more to talk about Refresh, but I didn't. God bless you guys. Appreciate the privilege of being a part of your life. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.